So it's 2021. It is 2021. We made it. We made it. What a generic, oh my god, 2020 was the worst year ever if you'd never read and a then, history book. And then 2021's like, this isn't even my final form. Yeah. yeah we're off to a great start, <laughs> aren't we? Um, that's why we play video games. That's why we play video games. That's, that's the funny thing. Last year, All Things Considered, was actually pretty cool when it came to video games. Like, despite so much stuff getting delayed, so much stuff being like, yeah, we're going to release in the future. And goodbye, like, it's almost like they didn't exist. Like, so many, especially if you're a fan of Nintendo, it's almost like Nintendo stopped existing this year. It's like, they released yeah. three or four games. Yeah. And I'm, that's about it. My, so. my Switch got really neglected this year. There was not... A lot happening. I think that's happened with a lot of people, and it's kind of a shame because, for me especially, if we go back to discussing like last year's games, which we didn't do a game of the year podcast last year, yeah. as it turns out. But like, if I look at last year, like there was a whole bunch of games, and then there was stuff that I didn't even get. Like, didn't even get around to Damon X Machina. Uh, didn't get around mm. to uh, um, other stuff. But it's like Fire Emblem Three Houses and Astral Chain are the first two right off the top of my head. Top games of last year, yeah. two of them on the uh, the Switch. So Astral, Astral Chain was last year. It was 2019. Astral Chain was 2019. Oh man. Yeah, I guess it already right. feels that far ago. That's right. Because Control Control was 2019, and there were like I had found some they had some similarities. You would in, in the premise and concept between Control and Astral Chain. You would, but. <laughs> Because, okay, Astral Plane stuff, yes, I get it. But. Yeah, I mean, well, just just not in terms of the actual gameplay, but in terms of the sort of psychology and meta, like sort of the blend of science and supernatural. Where one of these is, you know, inspired by X-Files and the other is inspired by Evangelion, an over-the-top anime crap, so. Yeah, yeah, no. But regardless, yeah, it's like, kind of like, there's a, but there's like other projects that I know, like, just nobody spoke about updates. Like, they were originally like, yeah, sometime in 2020, get used to hearing more. And then no news. Because everyone had to get used to working from home. Uh, just, you know, everything slipping by. But what we did get, I think, was still surprisingly solid. Like, again, I look back at this year and it's like, you know, this was actually really solid. Even when it came to my phone buzzing while we're recording. And still buzzing while we're Jeez. I'm good. That's my. F- We're going to ignore that. We're not even going to edit that out. I'm going to just like send this to my buddy and be like, this is why you need to be careful sending pictures of your baby to me. But that makes it sound real weird. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, and that's the thing. Like, even my, my. Like, I try to keep the notable list of games down right now. Yeah. And I'm still like, man. There's so much more I could talk about. And I'm, I'm looking at like seven games right here. I didn't even keep it down to like five. So yeah, we I should stop uh, with the preamble because yeah, 2020 actually turned out to be a pretty decent year for gaming. Yeah, I, w- I would definitely second that. I I do feel like that while it did turn out to be a pretty decent year, I feel like, and maybe this was some of the feeling last year where we didn't get these sort of incredible 
with maybe maybe even that I felt like there was no just absolute incredible this is game of the year games this year and I I feel like a lot of people say that the closest thing I think and it's funny because it's missing from both our notable lists is like Hades seems to be the one game that is honestly probably game of the year just by being on everyone's consideration list. Yeah. Just that everyone in some fashion had to mention Hades. That's probably just uh, by chance the game of the year because everyone liked it. Like you, you you'd be hard pressed to find someone that hated that game, that disliked it, like, and that's the thing, like, I don't love the game, but I do like it. Yeah. I think it's a pretty good game. Like, I understand why people love it. Maybe not all of their reasons why they love it, but I understand, like, yeah, it's solid mechanics. It's a good game. You know, there is, you know, I can't say it is a bad game in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah, I mean, between the, I, I haven't played it yet, but assuming the mechanics are solid, you know, from the same team that brought us Bastion and Transistor, um, yeah. and their art is all artwork is always solid, and all of that that other stuff. Where I can I can imagine Hades being a real breakout. I think the other game that I'm hearing from everybody is is Ghost of Tsushima. I was actually about to bring that up because if I'm going to be honest, I feel like what failed people was your, in particular, Western. Triple A gaming impact because I think the first big Triple A game we got this year, unless I'm forgetting something, was Final Fantasy VII Remake, which we will both discuss. Yeah, and that was actually received pretty positively. I had my you know negative feelings towards it, and we'll, we might get into that a little bit. We already did in our spoiler podcast, of yeah, course. yeah. But like it, it felt like yes, this is the first big game of the year. Capcom had Resident Evil 3, but it felt less compared to Resident Evil 2 last year. Um, I think even then, like those are those are Japanese developers, those are Japanese-made games. So then, you know, fast forward through the year, and even if I even if I sift through p- people whose opinions I trust that I also know aren't going to be complaining about The Last of Us 2 for certain reasons we'll not get into (laughs) it still feels like it was a game that was largely a letdown like the mechanics were better but it's like you're talking about a game that was already outdated when it launched when it came to its mechanics and not a lot of like again these are people that i trust and they aren't going to be like oh you know about the story but they don't and it's like everything it's I've a, seen. Like this, this was a game that I even I, you know, when I found out the spoilers, I was like, this could be interesting. And when I look at everything about how it's executed, and I listen to these very reasonable discussions, it's like, wow, they somehow really dropped the ball on this. It feels like it. Yeah, I. And I guess that's a, that's. It's one of those. Um, so we, we sort of had this discussion in the Discord. Uh, Chris got really mad at me for oh, saying no. that The Force Awakens is basically, by my definition of Star Wars, The Force Awakens is the most Star Wars-y movie 
of any Star Wars movie. This is the point where, honestly, more than politics, more than religion, I would have to ban Star Wars talk. So, what I would say by that same standard, the Final Fantasy VII remake... I was just talking about Last of Us. Oh, you're talking about Last of Us. Sorry, I got 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 lost in the conversation. You weren't even listening. I got lost in your your transition from Final Fantasy VII to Last of Us. And I, I got lost there. Well, you know what, we'll... Yeah, because I didn't. I didn't we'll have like, listeners that will be like, "No, Steve's right. You caught you ter- totally." Like you, you mentioned Last of Us too, but I, I, I didn't like. I was confused as to where it was coming from. I might have been trying to like prepare my next point, and then you, you like, counterparried me before I even made a move. Circle. We, we, we can talk to your wife about this about how people you know, what what it says about someone. If they're not listening, they're preparing for what they're going to say. You know? Exactly. No, I totally did that. <laughs> um, so now my, my point is totally... Anyway, I was going to say Final Fantasy VII was in some ways like that, where it had all the notes, it like hit all of the notes of a great of a great JRPG, but then somehow they just... Like they played them in the wrong order, or they didn't play them... At, in the right with the right instruments or or whatever it was and they tried to carry the melody on the tuba for too long and it just there was something that brought it down so yeah since i was not done with my point yet on last of us 2 rewind back to last not just last of us 2 but again like the 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 triple a gaming west western triple a gaming space for the most part because like the last of us 2 was the first big release Right, like I don't think I remember a release, like between Final Fantasy VII remake and Last of Us Two. I don't think I can't think of a of another big. The end of the year, the end of the year was when the Western developers kind of yeah everything started to to come come around after because the pandemic hit. Right, they got a delay. You had your annuals, your Assassin's Creed, your Call of Duty. Yeah, and everything that was supposed to come out in. And that's the thing, like Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, like you, you you know if you're getting it or you're not. Yeah. And um, of course, after the review period, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, experience booster microtransactions. Yeah, totally want to support that crap. But you 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 have again the Last of Us Part Two was something where it's like, and it was unfortunate because of the culture war angle because it's like you have very reasonable discussion on people why they like it very reasonable discussion why people dislike it and then the, the 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 everything in between mucking that up but it felt like to me that that game was not what most people wanted or expected and therefore it came with a disappointment what ghost of tsushima did not have enough hype as a new property or something be it from sony or just from people because i know i was hyped for it yeah but it feels like for a lot of other people it came kind of as a surprise but was it really this big landmark title of the year where people played it were like that's my game of the year and i don't think a lot of people played it and were like yes this is my game of the year so I think everybody that I know personally that's played it was totally like blown away. Like, oh, this is like one of the best games. Um, in fact, I've been. I, I I would probably. That's. I'm gonna save my other game of the year for later. It's actually not Final Fantasy VII remake. Um, for the reasons I was just talking about. Um, but <laughs> for Ghost of Tsushima, 
I think I've been more critical about it than most of my friends, and I would still probably say it's it's game of the year. Where I see Ghost of Tsushima as sort of, I think it's the perfect send-off game for this generation of consoles. Because it, it did draw from a lot of ways that that open world games, open world, think about, I think in a lot of ways, open world games have sort of dominated the last 10-ish years of, of games. Oblivion, Skyrim, Assassin's Creed, Watch, like, there's all of the, the whole Ubi games, even, you know, Breath of the Wild, um, the Witch, the Witcher, um, Dragon Age trying to be more open world with Dragon Age 3. Yeah. Um, that was the big thing. I think Ghost of Tsushima took a lot of what we learned about open world games. Um, a lot of what we learned about integrating RPG elements into action games, which we've been you know doing pretty handily for the last 15 years or so. Um, and it, it sort of... It, it did a, a lot of things really well and presented a lot of the lessons we sort of learned in game design into that, along with incredible atmosphere and other aspects. So there's a glass half empty and a glass half full aspect of me taking this the, this perspective of it. Because I don't, I'm not going to sit here and disagree with you. The idea of it being a send-off and this generation being defined by these open world kind of games makes sense. The glass half empty part of me is like, well, if this is how little the genre has grown and improved and developed, especially when we consider a lot of what else came out this year. That's a shame and says a lot of negative about this generation. Now, Fortunately, I think this generation more than the last, this generation might be closer to the Xbox, PS2, GameCube generation, where no one genre concretely defines it. And we're talking about the, the generation where both Halo Combat Evolved emerged and Grand Theft Auto 3 emerged, which would set the trends of the next generations of open world and first person shooters starting to dominate. But at the time, they did not dominate yet. Now, while we've seen a lot of AAA Western and we've uh, sorry tri AAA open world, and we've seen a lot of um, some of these other types of games, no one genre really defined gaming because this generation gaming's gotten big enough that there's always someone for everybody on every platform. Yeah. There's some of the glass half full, but when it comes to AAA trends. What the big publishers are all trying to chase, what they're all trying to convince, I do think Ghost of Tsushima is in some ways representative of that and also in some ways just really depressing as a result. Because as much as I think it's done, made good strides in a, like finally evolving the Ubisoft formula in good ways, it's still the Ubisoft formula. And I think that is kind of depressing. Now... Because I know you've got a counter-argument in your throat right now. But I also want to give my ha glass half-full impression. Because, again, you've... For some reason, you, you seem to just not be... For all of these loot games that you just can't help but try and play, you, you, you haven't really been interested or drawn towards the Legends multiplayer mode. 
And the Legends multiplayer mode for me, especially in this year where we have Marvel's Avengers doing what it's doing, this feels like, and of course, you know, Destiny 2 being Destiny 2, this, this mode feels like, here's how you can do game service loot mechanics creatively. And, and well, okay, I say creatively. The game mode itself is creative. Mm-hmm. The loot mechanics are exactly what you'd expect them to be, but it's like the, the game mode being creative is enough to be like, this is awesome. This is the best game of service anything this year, and it was free. It's like, so so. There's my glass half full. It's like we're we're exiting this generation with an example of, hey, developers, pay attention to this. You can yeah. learn something here. So. I actually, so I still haven't actually played it. Um, I think part of that is we just, we kind of fell off our wagon of regular weekly multiplayer sessions. Um, And so that, that sort of, that just, it was sort of like there were, there were lots of days I was ready to play it. And then we just, for whatever reason, we didn't, you were streaming or no one wasn't available or any number of, of things that prevented me from playing it when I was ready to and then just kind of never did so i i agree so i think the challenge is my this is just an impression from having not played it so one i hate to say this but the combat was my least favorite part of ghost of tsushima i just never got into the combat we've talked about the combat i just i think that's why i've been a little crankier about it than other people like i got through the game fine um I just, I really, whatever it was about the combat never clicked um, for me. And and so for me, going back and saying, okay, like let's, let's play a game mode that's less focused on the story and the atmosphere and, and, and the setting on, on the, the combat. combat, it just hasn't had the strong appeal for me. I'm sure it'd be more fun going in with with a group and all of that. Um, and the other end of it is, I think the weakness of some of these other looter shooter, you know, loot driven um, live games. That'd be the other trend of this generation is is everything has to be a live game. Live service, yeah, open live world or live o- service. Open world live and service. And Ghost of Tsushima has both of those, which is yeah, again, like the glass half empty and full, like is. Yeah, this is representative of the triple A space at least. Other people, but um, and so I, the, so the game I consider to be the best live service game is, as you know, Destiny Two, and so I think part of the issue, yeah, but that's kind of like going to, that's like you know. Go g- g- talking to all all your schoolyard friends, being like, "My dad could beat up your dad, and everyone else's dad is dead, so you're just winner by default." That's right. what it means for Destiny to be the best of them. Well, it's because a- everyone else's dad is dead. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it's kind of true. So I think I think the core issue the core issue with with Destiny is that it hasn't they've they've used sort of tricks and everything in the book of the FOMO handbook to keep people playing the game without adding enough new content to actually make people want to play the game. So if I were starting Destiny as a first time player with Beyond Light, even with the vaulting and the sun setting, 
there's a ridiculous amount of stuff for me to do, a ridiculous amount of new content. Um, hours and hours and hours of, of things. Even though you can't do the Red War anymore, so you're just kind of lost if you have no clue what to Right, right. Even, even without that. So, where I... So, like, I look at something like the Ghost of Tsushima Legends mode, and it's probably great as, like, a breath of fresh air if you've been playing, if you've done everything that there... Every piece of content that there is to do in Destiny. Um, but then, it obviously, like... From a live service perspective, I don't think it has the depth and longevity that Destiny actually has. You know what I mean? This is something that I've actually wondered about as well. And I think it's too early to really discuss because me and Nolan... That's the thing. Me, Nolan, and our buddy Zach, like we, we've been wanting to get back to it. Part of it is also you know work schedules and other things. Yeah. Um, and of course, we just came through the holidays because... like. Me, we're going to have to play more to level up more just to play the raid that they have in there. And then they had something for like after the raid even. So they had a bit of a roadmap themselves of content. And I'm not sure what the longevity is. Because after me and Nolan beat the first, you know, the, the, the co-op campaign, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. We were like, hmm, I'm not sure, you know, how much, you know, repeat power that has. Then we started playing on the next difficulty. And... The next difficulty is throwing different changes at you. Sometimes just enemies. Sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes just like okay, now now a bunch as of stuff live you just learn. Games do as they do. Yes, yes. So I'm not sure what the longevity is on that. How much it really could demand you go back week to week. Right. Because um, part of it is like some of those game modes really work best with four people. So me and Nolan playing just the campaigns one thing, but we want to play some of the other modes you as well. Four. And then you need so, four. So, and this also, this, this brings you to another point about this generation. So right, we've got open world, uh, we've got live service, and everything live service essentially died slowly or quickly. Well, the thing that we're forgetting here, because it's got a dedicated fan base and it's profitable is Warframe. Warframe. And we're also not mentioning Genshin Impact, which is free to play and brought in the whole gacha mechanic. And that is a whole... That's a whole can of worms. And I've I've not played it. It does look fun, but it's like, I'm... I I played it a little bit. I I wasn't... Like, it didn't didn't grab me. I didn't... I was not gotcha'd. Um, by the by, the game. But what I was gonna say though is, where I think, I think more games need to look to, is actually probably more like the Ghost of Tsushima model, or maybe somewhere in between Ghost of Tsushima and Avengers, where you have a a campaign, and the campaign is good and solid. It is a standalone single-player campaign. You could even add elements like the Avengers, where where you can have a you can co-op the single-player campaign. But it's yeah. a single-player campaign. It's not this crossed-up multiplayer campaign mode. Um, and then you have a a mode, a add-on, whatever it is that reuses those assets and other things. It adds new assets, obviously, outside of the single-player campaign. For you to enjoy that world in a different setting, essentially with a with a multiplayer mode, and I think that's a much 
better place to be than everybody trying to copy Destiny. Probably. Um, and especially having played, so I played a bunch of The Division, I played a fair amount of Anthem, and I did play some Warframe and other stuff, and it just, that's kind of... Yeah. Um, and like even Warframe, like Warframe, there's a couple hour long, like, first campaign, and then you're basically kind of stuck if you don't have, if you don't play multi, or you can't, don't have a team. Um, I had the worst time finding match-made teammates, way worse than Destiny. Uh, in terms of match-made teammates, probably because maybe a player base size and other things on console. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I did some division. Again, it's the same thing. It's as soon as you get past the a couple hours you can play solo effectively, it really takes a downhill turn when it forces you to play with. So what you basically end up needing is a game that a group of friends are definitely going to play. And that's also the problem with the, de- the live service model. Like Ghost of Tsushima, we were all going to play it as a single player game regardless. Yeah. It just so happened they delivered this multiplayer mode that some of us wanted to play. But when you start saying like, oh, we're a live service game, it's like, man, I already played Destiny. I don't, do I, I don't... really want to sell my soul to something else? Like, Do I want to play only two or, games of my life? Or here's a crazy idea. What if we went back to the old model where they'd release a game, right? And like a year later they have an expansion pack and it adds new stuff to the game and you pay for it. You just pay for it. You buy it. And there's new content. And you play it. Why would you do that when you could buy a season pass, Steve? A season? Exactly. Like, what? why does everything need a season pass? <laughs> I actually understand it with Fortnite. I've played enough Fortnite now. I, I, underst- I understand it. We I, got it on record here, folks. Oh, okay, so <laughs> so we have we would kind of this has been a loose organization, but one of yeah the we big, haven't even really been talking about what we wanted to talk about. <laughs> so one of my themes for this year is is that gaming has become a much more of a family thing in 2020 for me, where previously I mean we would play like you know one of the I have, we'd have one of the Lego games. You force going. your kids I'd to like play Sonic play or something. My kids love Sonic. Be quiet. Um, you know, we'd be playing something like a, like a Lego Star Wars, Lego Avengers, etc., and or Disney Infinity, and all this stuff. And it would just kind of come and go. I'd play that with my kids, and I'd play my own stuff by myself. And it was not that much time typically outside of maybe weekends. So we sort of hit the point where my kids are enough into video games and active enough that I'm playing the things they want to play, which are like Fortnite and Minecraft and things that we sort of just. just picked up and enjoyed together like Overwatch. Um, so that's been a kind of a shift for me. So I played a bunch of Fortnite this year. And I think it's a terrible game, but I get it. <laughs> I, I get I get Fortnite. I get I, I think it's again it's it's sort of like Destiny, where I think it it does the thing that it does and it does it really well and nobody else should try to do what Fortnite does because maybe with the exception of, of Apex Legends to some degree they're just not gonna do it right the whole idea of you know you have a season you have rewards for that season you have map changes and objective changes within the maps for each season and it makes the game 
feels somewhat fresh when you go back. So you play the one this season, and the map is filled with Avengers and Doctor Doom and other things for you to fight in between engaging in P. There's like PvP and PvE happening all over the same map. Um, it's you know what it is. Epic is modding the game for you. Almost. It's everything people would do with mod content, but Epic's only Epic's officially doing. And then, so, but then this, this, so that was the last season. The current season, which might be about to end, I forget, is more focused on PvP, where you have NPCs in the map that will give you contracts for other players. And then you get extra experience points for hunting down specific players throughout the map. And so, what it does is it gives a different flavor to each season. And especially if you have friends or people who to play with, it gives it, it makes it fun, because now it's there's something different happening right now. There's a little there's changes on the map and other things, and it, it makes sense and it works. But I think where other games try to like halfway do the season pass model and other things, I hate it. Yeah, I hate season passes. I want to yeah. just, just get rid of them, please. Well, again, it's funny because. Oh, who was I watching? It might have been Skill Up or something. Someone... No, I don't think it was Skill Up. I don't know. I feel like I was watching someone who had a video out recently, and they pointed out, basically, it's like... You have two models of Quake 3 Arena, right? Mm -hmm. One of these models... It was Matthew Matosis. Good. It was someone that actually has good points. Um, it was Matthew Matosis. And he was discussing, like... If Quake 3 Arena, two versions of Quake 3 Arena released today, one was the game that we knew, and then another had a bunch of, like, progression systems and everything installed in there, people would think the progression systems version of Quake 3 Arena was better. And they would play that. Hmm. Um, and this makes me wonder what kids growing up that never played a multiplayer game that was just the multiplayer game, never had these regular updates... Uh, except for maybe, again, like expansion pack that might have new maps. Or free maps that were provided. But like, wasn't like a regular scheduled thing. Wasn't a seasonal thing. You don't have the microtransactions. And you don't have like, you know, reach level 10 to keep, you know, to, right. to unlock this skin. Like, didn't have the progression. If, if people played Unreal Tournament 2K4 or Quake 3 Arena or these other multiplayer games... Would they think that's actually worse because it doesn't have progression systems, even though the progression system is basically there as psychological manipulation? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the closest thing that that, that I you know we currently play for like that would I would say would be Overwatch, where there's there's in game there's obviously tons of cosmetics, but there the game itself is the game. There's no. Um, they do release new characters and stuff. Yeah, like they that. periodically you get new characters. Obviously, yeah, they've been doing, doing that. But it's not like the game doesn't change drastically from from one thing to another. They add new modes and other stuff. But if you're you know if you're rolling competitive most of the time, it's just the game is the game is the game. Yeah. When it's Christmas time, the game has snow on it. <laughs> um, you know, when it's Halloween, the maps are all at night, and that's about it. Um, but yeah, no, it's true. It's not even then, though. You're right. You still have a level system. You still get skins every time you level up. 
and it gives you all these other this other incentive to play, um, you know, outside of having fun. Having fun, yeah. But anyway, we again we strayed off even from so many topics. Uh, but to go back with again, like Ghost of Tsushima, you may be right because that seems to be the, like again the one big AAA release that had the least amount of um, argument yeah. about it, about what, about its quality and stuff. Because um, after Ghost of Tsushima was what, there was something like I'm trying to think of what came between that and Cyberpunk. And when it comes to big stuff, like the the next one that comes to mind is actually Star Wars Squadrons because people are looking for because it's only forty dollars from EA and it doesn't have microtransactions and it's going to have free updates. Oh my goodness! And then everyone forgot about it the day after it came out. Yeah, Star Wars Squadrons was fun. I like that. It's not it's not a game of the year. It's so it's okay. It's so, a it's a great budget title that's a little bit of a throwback to. Things like Wing Commander or things like the you know the X-wing and Tie Fighter games of the '90s. It's not. It's not a game of the year game. Yeah. It's there's very like again there's very clear limitations. So, for example, you know we again we were discussing this on, on the on the Discord channel talking about oh you know, I mean we were in private message or in the channel somewhere somewhere yeah we're saying you know. Uh, talking about the limitations and the crew interactions. You know, it's not the Normandy. Yeah, you brought that up in the this Yeah, the channel. Yeah. You're saying it's not the Normandy. It's really not the Normandy. And I think... So this is the kind of thing that maybe separates a $40 game from a $60 game. Is you have crew interactions, but all they basically are is, you know, you're, you're like in place in the room. Which is actually a lot like the old Wing Commander games. After the mission, you'd like be in the hangar. And then there'd be people standing around, and depending on who's standing around, you can pick somebody to talk to. And then, oh, then you go into here, and you can, in this other room, and you can pick, and that's kind of how it is. Yeah. You just see the room, you see who you can talk to, you pick somebody to talk to and have a conversation. Then you go to the mission briefing, and you have the briefing, and then maybe you can talk to, you know, one of your wingmen after the mission briefing and have a conversation. And then you pick your loadout, you get in your, your fighter, and you go. So what the diff, that's a that's the forty dollar game version. The sixty dollar game version would you know have deeper interactions with the crew. You would have you know build representative. If you decide to have more conversations with this character, it's going to enable them to resupply you more times in the field. Or you have more conversations with this character, they're gonna shoot down missile lock-ons and and you're something like you know what I mean. Like there's there's a there'd be a, a depth to it. To the interactions and the conversations, and you might actually feel like these are real people on a real spaceship that functions. But instead, it just it's, it's just like Star Wars. Like, so this is one of those things. Having grown up watching both Star Wars and Star Trek, where <laughs> in the Star Trek official materials, they would tell you. This is where the bathrooms are on the Starship Enterprise. <laughs> you know, this is where the sleeping quarters are on the Starship Enterprise. And yes. Star Wars is just kind of like, it's a spaceship. It's got guns. We're well, in this cool room. And well, see, you say that, but you know just as well as I, I mean, the TIE Fighter, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody, originally, nobody cared how that thing's supposed to fly. Or anything. It's just, it looks cool and it makes a sound that's yeah. awesome. But some nerds had to be like, magnets! 
And they came up with explanations that it's magnets and the big two pie-shaped things or whatever they are. Uh, the octagons, whatever right. those things are. They, they're magnetic something between the two of them and that's how it flies. And it's like, so someone thought about that, but that, this is beyond the point, though. Continue. That's, that's kind of the point where it, it, it feels like, like Star Wars... To Wing Commander being a little bit more Star Trek. That, that's kind of my reference point for this sort of game, is Wing Commander. And there's obviously drawing a lot of the same... It's got the same feel, but is missing the depth in the interactions. Like, Wing Commander had dialogue trees. Mm. Um, going all the way back to Wing Commander 2, which was like a, you know, really, you know, VGA... 16-bit graphics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there was a version of Wing Commander 2 for the SNES. Um, you know, there were dialogue trees and other things with the characters, and there were different different branching paths the story could take depending on a whole number of how you fail. You know, did you complete this secondary objective in this mission and all this? And Star Wars Squadrons is, you know, a really linear game that has some optional color dialogue. Uh, and it's fun, but it's not... It's not what it could be. It's just like a, it's just a little taste of the promise of a modern AAA space flight sim that it is, isn't actually. All right, well that's the thing. Like again, like, I, 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 no, no, no. It's fine because it's like I'm still trying to like, I'm trying to figure out like what were the big AAA releases this year. Um, yeah, I the guess Call of Duty game with Ronald Call, Reagan. The Call of Duty game, which. Again, if, if you like Call of Duty, you played it. Most people have moved on at this actually, point. I was actually interested. I still haven't played it. I found out something about the story that is actually kind of interesting, but it's like, I'm not going to pay more than $20 for this. Right. That's um, the thing. So it's like, to, to talk to a super realistic but kind of creepy-looking Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Um, um, you got stinking uh, Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I just I don't care about Assassin's Creed anymore. Uh, and, I, and that's the thing. Like, there are people that are playing it and are liking it, but mm, oh, um, uh, Immortals: Phoenix Rising came very late. That's the that thing. That came like, very and, late. And, yeah, all these games, all these games were in the last like three months of the year. From uh, what I've heard, like a lot of people have said, like that's that's oh, like a big game Immortals. Like, I, I've been playing that. Immortals: Phoenix Rising is really good. So you have that? I have it. Yeah, I have okay. it. I've played through. Um, Maybe like the first quarter of the game. Um, it's a pretty big game. I've done a fair number of sides of it. It's really good. Really good puzzle designs. Um, maybe if I had spent a little bit more time with it. I can't see myself saying this is game of the year. But it's way better than I expected it to be. That's the, I feel like that's been a surprise. But that, and that might be, again, like Ghost of Tsushima. You know, is it game of the year or is it just way better than people expected it to be? For me, I don't know. Ghost of Tsushima um, was emotional me, and poignant. It was incredibly well crafted, from the music to the the cutscenes to the the environment. Like Ghost of Tsushima is, is so. Was Ghost of Tsushima also partially presentation for you? Ghost of Tsushima because, was right. That's what Ghost of Tsushima did. It had incredible presentation. Because for me, again, like when I'm thinking about game of the year, I'm thinking about like. A game that by the time the year's over, you're thinking back on it and you're like, man, I just I want to get back and play that. I want to get, I, I need to experience it again. Ghost of Tsushima doesn't get, as much as I liked the Legends mode, Ghost of Tsushima as a whole does not give me that feeling. 
I beat that game. I platinumed it. I'm good with that. For the most like, part. Like, I feel like platinuming a game is, is sort of... I mean, that's pretty much the highest praise you can give a game these days, right? Nah, because Spider-Man I platinumed it. I'm just... Eh, eh. It was good, but... I mean, some it's more it more stands to whether it's easy to platinum a game or not versus that's there's yeah there's something to that. But I guess that's the thing is if if platinuming a game is is more essentially just experiencing the complete game versus completing some obscene challenges that the developer came up with. So like the messenger um, which I have on my list as being a, a not a game of 2020 that I played in 2020. So in order to platinum it, you have to do things like, you know, get halfway through the game without dying a single time. Um, oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, in a, you know, modern, real hard, you know, hard platformer kind of thing. Where it's just like, eh, no. Like, if platinuming a game means, you know, complete every mission, find every collectible complete every side quest. Like, that's one thing. Like, I feel like I'm more likely to do that than... I really wanted to platinum the messenger. I'm like, two trophies off. Hmm. That being one of the... I literally got to the boss fight. The last boss fight I would have needed to complete. And I I want to say the boss had one hit left. I had one hit left. The boss got me before I got it. I didn't get it. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm not going to platinum this game. <laughs> um, well, I, to, 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 to track back a bit, though, because, again, like... We, we do need to move on to our actual picks. Our so, actual picks. But the again, when it comes to just the general feel, again, AAA space feels like it's treading water a bit. It's also we also had stuff like the new stories of like Halo Infinite being delayed because it looked ridiculous. So I think part of it is also just AAA new consoles coming out that didn't have it. Like when your big killer app for your new console is a remake of Demon Souls. Not really forward thinking to me. Like that's very much like we don't because or it's or it's souped up versions of current gen games in general. Basically, yeah. So we we, we, we were we're currently in a period where and also I think everyone was just hinging on Cyberpunk. Everyone was just so certain Cyberpunk's gonna be the game of the year. It's gonna be a game of the year. And then it released, and while I don't think it's going to be as bad... Like, I linked a video in the Discord where it's like, I think the guy had a lot of good points. I also think he had a lot of cheap, simple points. I'm not going to necessarily say CD Projekt Red are all liars. Why not? Because even if they wanted these features to be in the final game that they had in trailers that aren't in the final game... I mean, that's just, partially that's just game development, and it's not like they were intentionally trying to say, like, that stuff wasn't a trailer because those developers wanted it in the game. Someone made a decision to advertise it before it was ready. Right. And I think this is also, like, playing Witcher 3, I think it's clear, CD Projekt Red is really punching above their weight class as to what size their team is and what they can put out. I think they need to scale down and stop trying to make something so huge. Hmm. Um, Because I can only imagine how much better, which, and this is funny, you know, saying this, um, now that I'm finally playing it, I can only imagine how much better Witcher 3 would have been if they made it smaller scope. 
Maybe. Um, because there's a lot of quests in there I'm not going to touch or look at, and there's probably a lot of quests a lot of players never even see. And imagine how much better what is there could what what most players will see could be if you just trimmed all that fat because it is a bloated. And I've been saying that yeah. a lot when it comes to certain games. It feels like it's more than it needs to be. And CD Projekt Red probably did the same with Cyberpunk. They were trying to over-deliver on what they could do. And as a result, you get what you've, what, what they've released. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a small team. It's They're incredibly ambitious. And I think that's... So that's one of my my weak points with this, is the ambition... I get really like, oh man, this game was so ambitious. I love it. Even where warts and all. And there are some games where I'm like that too. There really are. Um, I know I have my weak spots. And then there are some games where it's just like, like what I try and always bring up for people, it's worse, or I try and like bring up that I am self-aware of my own biases and stuff. Occupus Beat, right? Occupus Beat is a game that's a bad, it's combat is a bad Tales of Symphonia ripoff. Hmm. It's, got really awful dungeons and it is too long and there's just so much that that game is lacking that I can't really recommend it to somebody but what its story and characters did for me at the point in my life that I was at it's one of those games that will always be one of my favorite games that I've ever played because of you know, just right. reasons. Like, it, it did something that no other game, especially at the time, did. But, you know, there, there and that's something where it's like, there are some games like Cyberpunk where it's like, you can see the ambition. You can see what they're trying to do. And you want to give them credit for at least trying when, again, there's so much else out there that's completely cynical. That's yeah. not ambitious. That's just someone threw a lot of money at something to make it awfully generic, you know? <laughs> so... Yeah, Cyberpunk at least has that ambition, has that heart. Um, even yeah. though I've not even played, it. yeah. But, I mean, you watch I'm me play it for, for the two minutes. Yeah, I'm waiting for either either go on Game Pass or for it to have its definitive edition with DLC. Yeah. So okay, so let's get on to actual. So I think in this conversation, my actual game of the year, I will I will finally now reveal. We've, we've talked about. Let me see. Hold on. Can I guess it? Can I try and guess it? Try and guess. Wait, you already told me. Did I? You said it in the Persona 5 Royal podcast, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, guys, it's like, let me see if I can look at this list and guess it. Oh, wait, it's right there. It's, and again, this and this still feels like a little bit of a cop-out as a game of the year because it's 90% of the game was released two years ago. Yeah, I could see that. Well, and, and so it's like... Yeah, I could see that. I didn't play it then. I played the Royal Edition. Which and I th actually well, think so. Initially, I was I was kind of like going through the the extra royal portion. I was kind of like, how can this top the the original ending? And it actually does top the original ending. And I think it, it makes for a more poignant ending than the original did. And that's part of why I, I really think I think for this year, Persona Five Royal. Well, here's something to keep in mind. I found out. I think everything with a grappling hook was new. Okay. And the, so the dungeons were made better with all that, and everything with the seeds, the mm -hmm. three seeds you can collect, 
that was all new as well. Right. Oh, and that and that made so it they evidently made so it's it's like the, the the changes they did make were more substantial than it at first felt. But yeah, it's still like you're 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 building off of a base of a game that was released already like a few years ago. Yeah. So I understand and, that, and I think honestly, so not to get too political. Um, <laughs> We're gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. Uh, no, so um, Nicholas Cage had it right on the wall. I think in this in this current. So I mean, the whole idea of the game is all about cognition, right? It's all about the world we see or how we see the world, and how we see the world in distorted ways. How our own, you know. So the it's primarily dealing with the 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 enemies of the game, the bosses. They all have some distorted version of reality that is causing them to act in a certain way, right? That's causing, yeah. and and the, the basically the end of the royal edition, without spoiling the actual ending, it's basically all about accepting reality, accepting suffering, and over just what you want it to be over making reality what you want it to be with no effort and just sort of having your letting your cognition be forever distorted you instead choose you choose reality um you choose the hard thing that's the real thing over over the false thing that that even if it feels nicer to live in the false world it's better to live in the real world and I feel like at this moment in in history in America, living in the idea of living in the real world um, is just it kind of. I, I, I see where you get with the cognition and everything, and yes, I do think that's the kind of thing that a lot of it feels more like Persona Royal is is going towards escapism instead. But when you consider even some of the villains, and it's like you know what, maybe it is better. To get outside of oneself, I guess is the best way to well, put it. Well, yeah. Well, so sort of the. I don't know. Like it's, so it's, the it's final, hard to word without trying to get too specific. Yeah. The final. So the 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 basically the final struggle in Royal, and you can actually so you can choose the ending where everybody just basically gets what they want. They are able mm. to to experience reality, the reality that they want, instead of the reality. That as actual as events have actually happened, um, or you can accept the real reality, um, and so I don't know. That's just kind of I just so the, so the end. So not a, the end result is not escapism. The end result is you know choose choose the path of suffering to achieve what you want to achieve. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think that just hits in a lot of ways for me personally. It hits, I think, a lot of our current uh, political and news climate and all this other stuff. With, yeah. We've sort of had, without you know saying much more than that, we've sort of had all these, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, and I think that to me, that that's what finally really cemented Persona 5 Royal to me as, as the game of 2020. Um, where <laughs> we might have wanted to escape from 2020... But uh, sometimes it's good to accept the pain, accept the pain and and get through it. No pain, no gain. So. So here's to 2021. 
Swallow the goal, size of the prize. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, so what, 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 what's your... What, is there anything else on there you wanted to address before? Because I, I mean, I think we talked about it. Well, some of these, the part of the thing is some of these games do actually, for me, line up with what I was going to finish one last point about Hades and why I think that ends up being a game of the year-ish type of game. Because it lacks, again, that AAA budget, the AAA presentation, all this other stuff. But a lot of people didn't expect it, is the best way I can put it. And one of the things that you could also say is there's a lot of people that are like, you know, I don't really like roguelikes. I don't really like doing roguelikes or roguelites, likes or lights. I don't know if you could really the French. Anyways, um, a lot of people like weren't aren't a fan of that genre, and yet Hades, they, they just stole the time away from them. You know, mm-hmm. it's a game that they love going back to over and over because the core mechanics are just that good. And a lot of people liked the characters and the story, and I don't quite get that myself what's, at this what's point. With Greek but... mythology this year, uh, Hades, and like sort of like a sort of cheeky version of Greek mythology too, between Hades yeah. and Mortal Phoenix, right? Cheeky in more ways than one, I guess. Or... Uh, I, <laughs> but um, regardless, it's just you know, so many games on here. Like um, for me, like, okay. So I wasn't really sure which game would be my game of the year. Like, if I was going to like, tally them up, like which of these games is my actual definitive game of the year? I don't know if I have one, but the one that would actually make the best case, and it's in some ways representative of a discovery of a genre for me, was Kronos Before the Ashes, hmm. which was the... which, And again, we're talking about games that were released a few years ago. Gunfire Games, which is... Founded by one of the guys that headed up Vigil Games, who created Darksiders, so already I'm a little biased towards these guys. Um, they formed the new studio, no, Gunfire Games, and one of their first projects was a game called Kronos. It was a VR Souls-like, basically. And they finally, this December, released it as a regular no-VR game that you could just play. So it was released as a budget title... And for me, it was a brand new experience, and it came at the end of a year where I discovered I don't dislike the Souls-like genre after all. Hmm. Um, and for me, like, I was playing, let's see, what was I playing? I was playing Hades, I was playing Sakuna of Rice and Ruin, I was playing Yakuza Like a Dragon. Two out of three of those games are all basically Game of the Year, year contenders for me. And I put them all aside because I just wanted to play more Chronos. I just wanted, and it wasn't a very long game. It was roughly ten hours, but I beat that game. And I was like, if I didn't have other stuff to play, I would go through it again on a higher difficulty and see what, what it would be like. Because nice. there's stuff about it that's worth going back to. Like it is, it, it's it's not gonna be, it's not gonna top anyone's Dark Souls experience. Um, it's got its own kind of jank. And again, it's only like maybe 20, uh, 10 hours long. So it's not like you're getting the full involved Dark Souls experience. And, you know, as I especially figured out, you know, we tried Remnant from the Ashes on Game Pass. Because I did buy that on sale on PS4. We got to play that oh, yeah. again or something. I've got like a week to buy that on sale, I think. Yeah, just about. Um, and it's like, oh yeah, this this really... Chronos really was a prequel to Remnant because... 
they're basically talking about the end of the game right in the beginning of it. But that's the thing. Like it's it's just like it was this really neat game that I really got absorbed in, and I wasn't expecting it. I was actually afraid it was going to be a waste of money. And instead, I really had a good time, and I would go back and I'd replay it again. Like, if, if I had free time to do so, I'd go back and... Heck, I might do it anyway, because it's only 10 hours, so why not? Um, that's the thing. It, it, it was something that was unexpected. Um, Phasmophobia is up there as something that was unexpected. Um, early access PC game that, you know... I saw a random video that I thought it was some kind of joke, trash, like $50 budget Ghost Hunters uh, brand game. And no, it's one guy that just wanted to make a game about ghost hunting. And as low budget as it is, as janky as it is, dude has a core gameplay loop that works. And I think the best part about it is, you know, like, ever since Gears of War kind of a thing, and probably even earlier, there have been developers trying to make co-op games where they find ways to encourage co-op. To make it so, well, you know, like we'll make it so one player gets in this situation and the other player has to do this. That kind of crap. Um, and in this, it's just everyone grab a tool, everyone try to figure out what ghost it is, everyone just, you know, hmm. put their brains together and don't get killed by the ghost. You know? Um... And there are moments where it is genuinely creepy, despite the fact, again, that it is low budget, because the most effective thing is the sound design. Even if it's not perfect, because sometimes you can't tell if it's like... Like, sometimes like a, a door will close and it sounds like, oh no, is that the ghost? No. Because someone else in the, in the house closed the door and they're just like... Right. They're way further away than it sounds like they should be. But it's this just... Like, this game came out of nowhere, and I played it with my brother, I played it with my niece, and we've had a good time each time. Um, and, yeah, one night especially, I had the living daylight scared out of me. Um, like, I turned around, Ghost suddenly appears right in front of my face. Um, then, you know, walking around, you know, and the doors all lock, uh, close and lock, and I'm trapped in there, and I gotta hide in the closet. You know, like, it's yeah. it's just this great experience, great moment. And, again, like, this is what I mean when it comes to 2020. 2020, the best games weren't actually made by the biggest budgets or anything like that. A lot of the best games are made by the smaller developers for me. Did you want to touch on something else on your list? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think another thing that I played a lot of this year were sort of old-school platformers. Um, I think also you know another game I want to call out is is East Eight, um, which was a multi-year years, multi-year yeah. project that I finally yeah. beat. Um, I <laughs> just in time for East Nine next month. Just in time for East Nine, yeah. And so that was, I think I've talked, I said this on the podcast before. The the praise I will give East Nine, I completed the game with the perfect ending, but. I went back to my previous save to clear all of the character, all of the NPC storylines, and then beat the game again. Even though I didn't need to clear, I had like gotten enough reputation points from yeah. from what I had done so far. But I cared enough about the world and the story that I wanted to see all of these NPC storylines resolved before I I finished it. 
And I think that's, that's again, sort of like platinuming a game is high praise. I think the fact that even though it took me so long to beat, that I cared so much about the NPCs, that's not the kind of thing I do. I finish a game and I'm like, oh well, I got the perfect ending, I'm done. A lot of times um, I end up being that way too, yeah. And, and I never go back to it, but this time I actually did. And I'm glad I did, and um, yeah. And then another thing, I've already kind of talked about, um, you know, the basically playing a lot of games with my kids, and, um, and so that's, I mean, that's, there's a lot of fun playing my, we do every Saturday morning now, we do Minecraft build battles. And we set up and we say what we're gonna build. Uh, we're gonna build a secure fortress. And it's gotta be, you know, and part of the fun is I, I build stuff that's like, looks really cool typically, more so than what my functional. kids do. No, it's not just functional and it looks cool. But then I guess I also get to see, I mean, I swear, like my kid built like a raid puzzle. My, my six-year-old son built like a, a Destiny raid, not Destiny raid puzzle, but it was like, there was like his area, you go in, there's a door you can't open. So you have to dig all around to find the chest that has the button. You put the button on the wall, you hit the button, the door opens. Then like, <laughs> you go into the next room and if you just rush right in, there's a whole bunch of trip wires and traps that shoot poison arrows at you. And so you have to go around and when you go around, you'll find a chest that has a diamond pickaxe. And the wall, you go in the next room, and the wall's just obsidian, which can only be mined with a diamond pickaxe, which you just got. And you start mining, and there's a staircase that's hidden in the obsidian. So you have to mine around the staircase in the obsidian, and if you mine the actual staircase, you won't you'll like get stuck. But like you gotta mine around the staircase in the obsidian to get up. And then the final thing, there are all of these switches all over the floor and if you step on the wrong or pressure plates if you step on the wrong pressure plate you just fall through the bottom of the world and if you step on the right one it like opens up the treasure that you're supposed to be guarding but I was like, like it was just cool like so there's sort of like created a series of puzzles <laughs> yeah like a series through. of like puzzles like I just made a tower with more enemies on each level <laughs> <laughs> you know my six-year-old son shows me up with this like multi-tier, like different types of puzzles for each challenge. Um, and there's stuff like Overwatch where I'm just, um, I just, I enjoy playing Overwatch by myself. But when I have good, you know, good sessions with one of my sons or something like that, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, another, another story here. We had like a 30-minute match the other day. Um, where we we got so if you're familiar at all with Overwatch competitive mode, it so if there's a, the payload maps, you know if the other team gets the payload across the map, then you get to go see if you can do it, and if you get the payload across the map, then it takes the time difference, and then you have whatever your time is, and then they get the difference to to get as far as you can, they get the difference to get it past where you got it, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had this 30 minute match where they steamrolled us the first time. And then we barely got it across. They had like five minutes more than us to get the payload. Um, but somehow we pulled out this this crazy win. And it was just, I don't know, it's just like, 
it's more fun. It's, it's you know these gaming moments that it's it's yeah. more fun when it's not just you. It's it's somebody else. So that's so, been a big part of gaming for me this year. Which I'm really in, where I love playing what I want to play, but then I also just am enjoying you know sharing this with the next generation of gamers. Well, it's funny because. I, I discovered uh, a new way to game during the pandemic myself. Uh, first, I do want to say, because, um, you know, you did go talk about your, your big game of the year, and I talked about Kronos, but I didn't get to... I feel as if I should say something about Yakuza Like a Dragon and Sakuna of Rice and Ruin, but Yakuza Like a Dragon, I'll wait until you actually decide to play it eventually, which, I mean, come on, man. I'm playing Witcher 3. Come no, on, I'm gonna man. I'm going to do it. I, I'm... Come on, man! I play. No, Witcher I have. 3. I have a plan. I was actually gonna. I, I played a little bit more Cyberpunk. I was gonna play Yakuza like a dragon, but for some reason my tablet was connecting. Like, I don't care about your excuses. I have an. I have an excuse, but anyway, it, it didn't connect right, and so I didn't play it. So, but regardless, at some point we'll do a spoiler cast for that. No yeah, doubt. definitely. Um, so, second of Rice and Ruin, I'll say a little bit about in that side-scrolling action game that. At first, and I don't remember if we discussed this a little bit before, but at first, I didn't think it was that, um, I liked the combat, but it's like, oh, there's not a lot I can do with the Raymond like I thought I could, which the Raymond, you and me, we played Devil May Cry. Nero's Arm, or in DMC, Devil May Cry, the chain thing. Yeah. Great mechanic we both love. The Raymond's kind of like that. Only as you progress through the game, you develop more abilities, you can do more with it than just, you know pull yourself to an enemy or throw them. You can start like dropping their uh, strength or defense. You can like whirl them around in a circle and slam them to the ground. You can do a whole bunch of stuff with the ring. Like there's a whole bunch of optional skills and abilities so that but as the games went on hours later, I started getting sucked more and more into it because combat started to become a series of chaining different types of attacks together thinking more about how I'm really attacking. And it's funny, like, I didn't really notice this. All the different ways that I was approaching my moves, my ability set, and how I could attack enemies until I was watching another streamer play and watching them do something that I had done a while ago. And in my mind, like, I'm going through exactly what I would do in that combat scenario and seeing them where I was, like, 10 hours ago of gameplay. Hmm. And, th and like they're not thinking like I, I developed, started to think. Um, so it's, like it's actually a deeper combat system than it first seems. The, har the, the rice harvesting and farming mechanics, like that's how you level up. And that took a little bit. That, that's where I was tempted to start over a new game so I could do it right the first time. Like it's one of those uh, games. Okay. Um, but I did beat it. I did because there's no like time limit. So every year you can grow rice, and basically that's what you could do. You could do like minimal combat runs, only getting certain materials that you need to gather, and basically just speed through a year where you grow more rice, which levels you up. It's an interesting way to approach grinding, actually, because you have to do you don't have to do a lot of fighting to do it. Um, hmm. But what really surprised me was some of the writing of the game, because I knew this was like the, the smaller independent Japanese developed game. Um, I knew it was going to have a story, but I figured it would just be kind of like simply executed. But really, all the characters became more and more endearing. It had, a, like, each of them had their own individual storylines going on. 
There were little surprises here and there, like no real huge twists. Little surprises here and there that had me like, oh man, I didn't expect that. But again, and I think I've discussed this before, but one of the things that impressed me most was they, they're they not like actually Japan. It's like you have a character that's from like a pseudo Europe. They have fake names kind of a thing. Right. Um, which is funny because they call Japan Yamato, which is an original name for it, like one of the older names for it, I think. But it's like they have these different fake names for things, but the one European character is a missionary, and when it comes to especially, like, because not a lot of Japanese really understand Christianity. So hearing Christian theology from uh, Japan is usually like, oh, no, it's even worse than Western television. Because that's the thing. Like then, when you play Western tele, when you watch Western television and movies, the Christian is usually a dullard. They're usually like a hypocrite jerk. They're usually just some kind of combination of them, or they're spouting off the most pointless, not pedantic, like the pointless, most pointless nonsense, which is like, like pointless feel-good nonsense. That's like, man, there's absolutely nothing scriptural about I was this. Say, when when Ned Flanders is one of the best representations on on TV for a certain period of time, right, right, until you, they ruin his character. But yes, right, yeah. when Ned Flanders is unironically uh, for like the earliest seasons, one of the yeah. It, so this cat, but this character comes in and starts discussing their monotheistic religion and stuff like that. And they start actually having these conversations that don't leave me wincing or cringing or just feeling like, oh, it's like this. like, And that's the funny thing is like in an era where people are trying to do these Oscar bait game bullcrap to be like, games are grown up now. You have this little cute anime goddess chick that needs to learn to grow up and raise, like make rice for a change. Like a little game like this has actual discussion of theological differences in a mature, stable way where nobody comes away thinking the other's a jerk. And where no one's being a jerk. Hmm. It's like, they can actually discuss religion at the dinner table. What do you know? What Holy you crap. Know? Like That's where the game actually impressed me most. Um, so, to tie in a little bit, because as you said, like, 2020, pandemic, kids home all the time, you've learned to game with the family more. I've learned to stream more. And one of the games that really got me doing that was um, finally agreeing to play Bloodborne with Nolan. And as I said, this is the year that I finally got it. What I finally got like the Souls-like. Right. It's more specific to say I finally got Bloodborne. I bought this game a couple years ago. I'd always hesitated. It was like, this is my last chance to try a From game. I tried Sekiro, and it made me angry. I tried Dark Souls, and it made me angry. I'm going to try Bloodborne. And... Oh, my goodness. If Game of the Year could count just what we played and have nothing to do with the actual year of release, Bloodborne is it. And I'd have put way more hours into it if it weren't for some little tiny dumb hang-up. I put over 80 hours into this game. I basically beat it with Nolan and then I did it again all solo. Except towards the very end where I really want to get a weapon that I can't get solo. Uh, I need Nolan's help. And the two of us just haven't gotten back to getting that stupid weapon. Um, 
but because that's the thing, I'm like I'm like two bosses away from beating the game, not even actually. Um, but dude, I get it. Like with this game, I get it. But what I also get is that Bloodborne is not only more aggressive and faster than Dark Souls games are, because those games are decently fast themselves. The enemies mostly, more than you, but they are fast. They are fast enough themselves. But Bloodborne is aggressive and also just is... It's more willing to give you healing. Enemies deal more damage on average, so it's easy to get killed in Bloodborne. It is really easy to get killed in Bloodborne. But you got more healing, healing is provided more easily, and you just... That like that makes a big difference alone. Um, the repost, which is shoot an enemy as they're about to attack you, much easier timing to get down, even with a wonky frame rate, than parrying with a shield. Um, yeah. The timing for parrying with a shield is a bit more off, especially because, and again, Digital Foundry will go into it. Yeah, it's a 30 frame a second, but not every one of those frames has the same amount of time between them, if that makes sense. It's one of those so, things where it's like it's like a twenty-four hertz but thirty frames a second. So like there's a every third frame, one frame gets like skipped or yeah, of, yeah, yeah. No, that's so it's stuff like that, and it's like the, these games you're gonna do need to be sixty frames a second. But the thing is, like, and there's something about the atmosphere of Bloodborne too that just works so much better for me. I so. I'm, I'm, re I'm regretting that I didn't get into Bloodborne, that I was sort of trolled out of it early on. How, did we, how were you trolled out of it? Um, well, because I, I, when I went to... I, I played it a couple times. And the first time you go to the Hunter's... The Hunter's Dream. The Hunter's Dream. I couldn't find where, the, where you get your weapons. Because they had just... It was like... People had spammed the entire oh, thing with messages. No. So I'm trying to find stuff and there's just nothing. So I leave the Hunter's Dream with no weapons. I like, do I find? I didn't know. Like, there's no because the game is deliberately obtuse. There's nothing telling me you need to get your weapons at Hunter's Dream in this spot. So I leave Hunter's Dream without weapons. And try a whole to find, bunch of try to find weapons. There, and it just yeah, and it just kind of like. Left a sour taste in my mouth, and I it just, yeah. Though, the little creepy things giving you weapons are holding the weapon out to you. So, technically you can pick them out, but it is one of those things where if you don't know what you're looking right, for, I know you, don't... you just see these bunch of little guys in the ground, and you're like, what the heck? What am I doing? Like, what's going on? Yeah. So, I can, I can understand that. That is actually really crappy. But, you know, me and Nolan basically played it and that's the thing, technically I played it three times, because when me and Nolan went through the campaign, we'd play, like, you know, my game world, then I'd go and help him in his Isn't game right. world, and we'd defeat a boss. Um, and man, like, even thinking about it now, like, I just want to go back into Yarnum and just start killing things. Like, it's such a fun game that if, like, for the most part, I don't know if I even want a PS5. I feel like the only reason I'll get a PS5 is to keep co-oping with you and Nolan because you guys are never going to get like a functional PC at this point. And I never I never imagined being the guy to be saying this either. Let's be honest. I never imagined to be that guy. Well, but 
if they announced Bloodborne 2 tomorrow, I'd be getting a PS5. I don't know when, because, you know, job situation, but... You would, I, I, I'm getting, I'd be getting a you PS5. You start donating some plasma every yeah. week. And, I, I guess I, like, I can kind of see where, where I would, what I would do. But, like, for me, it's, it's sort of like... like I understand Part of it is, like, where would you put the where would I, Right, where would I put the PC right now? And I also understand that that sort of makes more sense for you because in your current situation, you're more confined where you're gaming, where it's like, what's the point of a console that needs to be hooked up to a TV? And also, I need a PC, a powerful PC for video editing. And Eventually, it's better, again. And it's better for streaming, and it's, you know... Etc. Etc. Then it's like, why not switch to PC? Whereas yeah. for me, it would be a lot of like, where do I put the PC? And it's sort of just my own personal flow and would mess with. It does make it. me wish I got the PC before I got the Xbox One X because now I feel like the Xbox One X was kind of a waste. <laughs> I still play it. I still play it. It's actually, like, Witcher Three runs well on it. So and it is again. I have. I am playing a bunch of this different things through Game Pass, and I probably wouldn't have gotten Game Pass for PC if it weren't for getting it for console. So there's there's stuff that I'm still gaming on my Xbox, but it's 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 interesting. <laughs> but the um, no, that's that that is the thing. Like Bloodborne was definitely of the games that I played this year. Bloodborne made the difference because now, like right now, what am I playing on stream? Salt and Sanctuary. What's Salt and Sanctuary? 2D. It's a 2D, 2D Souls don't like. Dark Souls style game. That's, I have yeah. gone back to Dark Souls, and I got to a couple like Dark Souls three. Like they 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 expect you to play have played these games a bunch, and some of those moments it's like I don't want to do that again, and I think that's part of it for some of these games because Dark Souls again is different enough, and punishing in a different way. That Bloodborne is like, you know what? I'm more okay dying. Because again, like, a lot of these monsters will do a lot of damage. And you have to use that health. But it still feels like it's more... It's still it's better than an Estus Flask. That's my thing. So, it's for me, I played through Demon Souls on the PS3. And... I'm glad I played that game. And again, I, I wish I tried it. I just don't have any desire to do it again. I could see that. I just like, like I, it was, it's an inc- I think Demon's Souls is an incredible game. Um, the, you know, I was at, when I was like at towards the end of the game, my reflexes, blocking, parrying, doing, you know, sidestep, when to do sidestep, when to do dodge, all that stuff that I'm usually really bad at in games. I was, like, there was peak. Like, I was awesome at it. Um, I just, like, I just don't want to do it again. I, 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 like, I don't... It once was enough. (laughs) For me, it's not something I need to do every couple years is subject myself to that. Yeah. But, But, again, and... To, to go a little bit, Bloodborne helped me get to more Twitch streaming, which was a great way to socialize with friends this year. Because now I get to re- regularly watch Zach stream. I get to re- uh, watch Joey stream once in a while. I've got other friends that once in a while get to watch stream. Post Mesmeric, he gets to yeah. stream Persona 4 once in a while. So it is, you know, good times. I do wish, because we are really heavy on time here. Um, 
Danganronpa, Ronpa, and 420 HBU Scramble were good to, to uh, just good. I like visual novels. Like that, there you go. Two, like, the one genre was a full-on discovery. The one was a confirmation. Dark Souls, well, Souls-like mm. games, I do like them. I, it just depends on the game. Because um, technically, Darksiders 3 is where I really discovered I can do that genre. Visual novels, Danganronpa and 428 Shibuya Scramble really set it in stone. I like this genre. It's not just Phoenix Wright and, you know, Virtue's Last Reward kind of a thing. Um, and Tokyo's going to do EX Plus. We might eventually get to, because I want to. I do want a new game plus that, so when you eventually get to it, but you know, you, you, not for a while, because uh, other than Witcher 3, and I do need to play Sakura Wars, we got Yeast 9 coming around. Yeast 9, I gotta play Yakuza 0. Um, I like a dragon. Yakuza like a dragon, not 0. Yeah, like Yakuza like a dragon. So eventually we'll get to Tokyo's and do EX Plus. Yeah, um, I, I, I definitely want to play that. Um, before we get to games you were looking forward to, is there anything else you wanted to touch on? No, I think I think I um, I think I hit I hit we hit all my major stuff. I mean, all right, yeah. Now the funny thing is, because you put question marks on a couple, I knew you were going to add different games to me. But for me, like when I when I was looking thinking about games to look forward to, there's a lot of games that I'm interested in and I'm curious about. But one of the things that I really need to do better on this year, because it was a bad thing, I. Like, I should not have bought Maneater. I was curious about the game. I was not really interested in the game like I could have been. It was a waste of money and a waste of my time. I, that game was too much jank for me. But looking at games of 2021, there are some that are like these games are undeniably going to be purchased. Um, I technically already got Record of Lotus War, Dita, and Wonder Labyrinth. That's in early access right now. I did stream some of that. More chapters are on the way next week. Okay. So that's a that's a Metroidvania, very much sympathetic. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I should send you the highlights of when I played or something like that. Yeah, I no, did play I did take a little of that. Yeah. Very much, very aesthetically, especially I, has a lot of Symphony of the Night going on, based off of an old uh, anime slash OAV slash all this other stuff that I really liked. So it was a blast, and I. When it's finished this year, it's going to be one of my. I, I, I am confident it'll be a contender for game of the year for me this year. Um, if both of us East not uh, East Nine East Nine, yeah, for both of us. I mean, that's going to be your first East game, right? My first East game, but now Tokyo Zandu is my first Falcom game, so um, that'll. I'm interested in that, and I, 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 I don't know what is different between. The visual aesthetic of that in Yeast 8, other than more darker color palettes. But I like the look of Yeast 9 more. I really, I, I really, you should play Yeast 8 at some point though. Obviously, Near Replicant again. Yes. Um, Near. Above is, all other games, Near Replicant so far. Yeah. And I've got to say, I, I've said several times in different ways that Witcher 3 I find as being one of the games of the generation. But let's be serious. It's near Automata. Yeah, or it's, should be at least. It is. It's near Automata. That's that's the game. Those are my. If, if this is also in addition to closing out the year, we're closing out the PS4, Xbox One generation. Near Automata. Near Automata. Witcher Three. 
In that order. <laughs> um, I'm down for Back for Blood, too. You've got that on your list. I, I, I Will I have to buy it on two different platforms? <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> I may. I may. We'll have to see. Because Back for Blood, it's the Left for Dead 3 that Valve will never release because they can't count to three. Valve cannot count to three. Because, and that's the thing, like, just, right. not just in the name. Like, when, we, when I watched the trailer, I was like, they want you to know this is Left for Dead 3. Yeah. They want you to know. Mostly the original developers. Um, this under Warner Brothers Interactive, and that's where I'm wary. Warner Brothers Interactive has a tendency to put in some of the biggest bullcrap that AAA Western publishers do. They put in, like, because again, like, what was it, Shadow of War? Uh, or Shadow, instead of Shadow yeah. of Mordor, where they had, like, a bunch of microtransaction bullcrap? They have, happened to have the, that. Was that's, like, I was a little nervous about that, that that would have some of those modern, you know, Fortnite accoutrements. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to skip down, like, Gotham Knights. You put down Gotham Knights, which I would be more interested in, except all the enemies have levels, they have all this other junk. Like, it's, it feels like they, like... It feels like they're trying to do games of service stuff, even though they've got a Suicide Squad game that's going to be doing that. It's like, why didn't you just make yeah. something like the Arkham games, but with not Batman? I don't know. That is true. I love Nightwing. I think that is as as um, overlooked comic book characters go. I think Dick Grayson has gotten a raw deal in most ma mainstream media, including all every Batman movie, um, whether it's featuring Chris O'Donnell or whether it's just his empty. Um, Uniform hanging on Batman's yeah. cave in the Snyderverse. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just, I like the idea of, of getting to play. I didn't write it down here, but again, talking Warner Brothers Interactive, that's another reason why I'm waiting on Hogwarts Legacy. I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. That trailer made a good first impression. It did. Um, and then stuff we're actually not going to get this year, but it'd be nice, like Breath of the Wild 2. Well, that's unconfirmed. That's the Breath of the Wild 2 is technically supposed to be 2020. So, we'll have to see, because they're unconfirmed. Because, dude, there's, like, no confirmed release dates after... I don't even know if June has anything. Like, there's so few confirmed release dates for this year. Um, so, like, yeah. For me, like, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, of course. No More Heroes 3. Still waiting on the official date for that, but it is 2021. Bayonetta 3, waiting for just information, period. Resident Evil Village, for me. Which... I still need to play Resident Evil 7. The only reason is because of Resident Evil 8. Um, Crimson Desert, I don't know if you got to see it. I saw that. This it's was the like same the, Black Desert online people. Yes, it's by them. That's but That was the only reason I was kind of like, I was looking at it and I, I already like made the connection as soon as I started it and I'm like, this looks cool, but I thought I had seen some clips of Black Desert originally like long time ago, like when it first came out. Yeah. I was like, oh, this looks so cool. Oh, it's like a... MMO. MMO. Well, that's the thing. This I'm not sure if this is an MMO or not. It's, it doesn't seem like it's supposed to be. And That's the thing. Like The language in press releases was very vague. But that's the thing. Like, we, were, we were watching the Video Game Awards and we watched this teaser trailer. And it was like, oh my goodness. It's got production values for its narrative. It looks like it's a good story. It looks brutal. Oh my goodness, look at that combat. And yeah. so... Yeah, it's that. That's definitely hype. <coughs> Bless you. 
Um, but yeah, we, I was thinking about adding Ghostwire Tokyo. You did it already. I'm hesitant. The funny thing is that looks like it's not a next-gen game. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, it should be interesting. I'm more curious about what the original director that left uh, is doing. But, yeah, I mean, 2021, we'll have to see because the one thing that I know is there's a bunch of stuff that we don't even know is in development yet that's going to get announced. Yeah, so, true, probably the stuff that'll come in the fall. Who knows what we will see. I'm looking forward to finishing some of my 2020 games, though, if we don't get much yeah. early this year. Well, at some point, I get, like, I missed out on uh, Aegis Rim, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. That's one I need to get to. Uh, there's some other stuff that I forgot about. Like I got a whole priority list, though, of other games that I had already bought that I need to beat. Um, like Witcher 3, I'm getting through that. Um, I bought Socket of Wars last year, I need to play that. So there's a whole bunch of stuff I'm going to be working on trying to get through. So we'll have to see. But um, yeah, hopefully you guys joined. And uh, yeah, let us know. Because um, I don't know if you people are listening through iTunes subscription, RSS feed subscription, how you listen. But go to the blog. Go, go to RamblePack64.com. Find this post uh, and just go to the comment section. What have you been playing? What are your favorite games of the year? What are you looking forward to in 2021? Give a comment. It works. It's, 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 well, you do have to log in to a... For, but discuss is supposed to be easier. It's one login yeah, for all yeah, sites. Like, yeah, yeah. So go on, man. Just register for discuss. Just you can comment on a lot just of places. Just drop a comment. Cool. So yeah, just drop a comment. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Anything to wind up, Steve? No. You Happy a, New Year, you know? Yeah. Happy 2021. Happy 2021. We'll see. We'll see. Um, we didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's <laughs> returning. Anyways, uh, have a good night, everyone. Good night.